It's now time for the Monday Breakdown with Mick Gannon, Dean Watling and Mitch Lewis. 0499736736 to join our conversation. And you get a chance to win a $50 voucher for the Osborne Rooftop, which is the best bar in South Yarra. Um, you can join us at the Osborne Rooftop and Bar South Yarra for the ultimate um, celebration. So make sure that make sure that you get to the Osborne in South Yarra. And um, because I was there for the last, I feel like I've been living there every Saturday night. It's been a lot of fun as I welcome in the Monday Breakdown team. Hello to you, Dino. Dean Watling, good morning. Good morning, Gareth. Good morning to our great mate, Mitchie Lewis too. And Mickey Gannon will join us soon, I'm guessing. No, Mitchie Lewis, how are you going, mate? Good morning to you. Hello, Gareth. Hello, Dino. Yeah, I'm going well. Thank you, mate. Did you survive cup week, mate? Yeah, yeah. Made it home. Uh, survived. Very tired. I'll tell you what didn't survive. My laptop. It wanted to stay another night in the hotel room in Melbourne, so we're running without that. Oh, okay. That's disappointing. Um, I thought you'd yeah, been a bit my, organised there, brilliant... Mitchie. Unbelievable. Did you, yeah, did, no, you celebrate, did you celebrate that wedding anniversary in style? Did you back plenty of winners? Yeah, we had a pretty good day, pretty fun day, especially yeah. early. Um, there was a few at Morphville, but um, set us up really nicely. But Imperatrice was good. It was a very good spot to watch the racing from, actually. So, great day, Saturday, yeah. All right, let's get stuck into our Monday breakdown. And this was the highlight for mine. It was the champion sprint. Front page joined by Imperatrees at the 200 metres. Buenos Noches in secret trying to chase down Imperatrees at the 150. Imperatrees in front. Buenos Noches coming at her. But it's Imperatrees. She digs in. She's in the in front. Another start turn from a brilliant man. Imperatrees from Buenos Noches in secret. Fourth in the race was. Yeah, I jumped and um, I was expecting Nessafora to slide forward, but he took a hold and. I thought, okay, there's front page, there's my bunny, I'll follow that and probably got there a little bit soon and, geez, it's a long way up there straight when, you, when you're sitting there. But um, to her credit, she knuckled down, put her ears back and had a decent crack. She was superb in Paratrice. Opie Bossom gave her one hell of a ride, Dino, and she, I think she answered that debate for us in a way that she's the best sprinter in Australasia, the best sprinter in the world with that terrific performance down the straight. That's three group ones this spring for her. And she's looked awesome in every start. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack from the race. And first of all, it's a full credit to the team. I think um, a lot of us, myself, um, the whole probably team here at SEM wanted her to go to the Everest. And they've said no, and they've won four from four, three group ones, like you mentioned. So um, don't listen to the outside noise and do what you want to do. It's probably the lesson out of that. But she was terrific. I think visually, she was great. Um, she probably... We probably expected a win by further, but this is why I think um, reviewing meetings is so important in the sense of the sectional times in this race. They've gone around 10 lengths faster than the average to the 600 meter mark. So they've gone really hard early, which is strange for a, a straight race. They normally crawl and then to sit and sprint, but they've gone really hard. She sat on that speed and then we've seen horses like Asaphora, Star Patrol and Front Page drop out. She's found another gear and kicked off that. In my opinion, I think she was a sitting duck late and that's the only way we would have seen her getting beaten but she stood up she snuck her head out I think there's a lot more merit in the win than the 0.5 length margin to Buenos Natchez I think if you run the race any different slower she sits off them I think she just wins by further so 100% in my mind Gareth she's no doubt the best sprinter in the land at the moment and Mitchie she was also once again as we just pointed out there on Saturday but she's very adaptable she can come off the speed she can be on speed she just gets the job done that's exactly what I was about to say I don't know if it's one of the best things that they've probably unearthed with her this prep. So she, 
she showed that she could be a bat marker that wins at Mooney Valley, or she can go and settle on the speed and she can go down the straight. She's kind of looks like that type of horse now that you could just plonk her anywhere and she's going to be able to do whatever she needs to do to be able to try and give her the best chance to win a race. And I think her best trip would be, I, like, I reckon six furlong, that's where she's, she's very good at six furlongs. So I don't think, like, she dominated over a 1,000 metres, but I reckon she'd be mighty hard to beat over 1,400 metres, Dino. Yeah, well, I think the the weekend's probably the perfect example of that. If she had a, a query at the 13 or 1,400 metres, I think she would have got found out off that brutal tempo to the 600. But I think that tempo um, and her ability to, to run over that 13, 1,400 metres come to the fore there, and that's why she was so strong late. And probably the flip side of that is Asafora, who needed probably a really slowly run race to get 1,200, and she got the exact opposite of that, and that's why we saw her drop out. She's just a 1,000-metre specialist. But... Um, I think to have a, a great horse, you need to have a horse that's got an adaptable racing pattern, can go from certain distances to other distances, and she has all of that encompassed with a, a V8 engine under the hood. So Bonus Notches was really good from the back of the field in secret. I thought she was pretty brave as well. She just missed the kick slightly. Oh, she didn't miss the kick, but I thought she'd settle a little closer than she she did in the run. But she was brave. Espiona and Bella Nipotina. Gee, she's flying Bella Nipotina. Like that that was a run and a half there, Dino. Like from gate one, I I was I understood what Craig Williams was doing. He had to he didn't want to be on the the grandstand side. I should say the I don't know what the um to the inside because the wind was playing havoc once again and the, the ground wasn't as good as being to the outside fence. So he had to go all the way back to last. But um, under the circumstances, she was mighty Bella Nipotina. She's having a phenomenal preparation. You'd probably imagine that she's won more than just one race, but um, she's in career best form, no doubt. And I think the, the sectionals and the, the ratings back that up. Espiona was terrific as well, back to 1,200 metres down the straight. She probably liked the fastly run race, which was more like a 1,400-metre affair. And like you mentioned, um, Buenos Notches and Inseco, they were great. But in saying that, I thought they had every possible chance to beat Imperatrice with the setup of the race, and they couldn't quite turn the tables on her. Any horses that we need to be following out of that race, Mitchie Lewis, going forward? It is a little bit tough, isn't it? That's because, like we say, it's the grand finals. So, where do they go? Like, do any of them, do most of them spell now? Maybe Bella Nipotina, do they go to that Friday night group one at Mooney Valley with her? Because um, she, she runs well at the Valley. Could that be one that they could just? And her prep on a group one because she probably deserves that. I don't know if there's another group one at Mooney Valley on no, a Friday no. night. No, that she no might... but it's, it's in a few months, isn't it, when they shut the season out? Okay, maybe next so you... year. Yeah, it's yeah. next year, but it's early-ish next year, is it not? Um, is it the I'll... William Reid? Yeah, I think that. So they should have to go for a break and then come back for a William mm-hmm. Reid. I think if she would push on, I don't think she will. Maybe, I like, I'd love to see a horse like Front Page go to Perth. I reckon he'd be hard to beat around Ascot over 1,200 metres. I wonder what Espiona would be like in Perth as well. She's yeah, got running that way. She gets too far could... back, but I front page many. I, I Tyler Sheila said something interesting after the race, saying that he he thinks that he's a better Sydney horse than he is a Melbourne horse. So, um, I don't know if he's nominated for Perth, but I think he would be a good horse anyway, being on pace. Apart from that, I, yeah. I think Buddhist not just might be going to the Rupert Clark over the fourteen hundred meters on Saturday. Um, that would be interesting, but I think the rest are in the paddock. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a little bit like that for the majority of these horses. Like we said last Monday, it's your, it's your grand final weekend. So a lot of them probably do go for the spell now because that's particularly in Peritrus, That's what she's doing now. Correct. 
Yep, and Paratrees is definitely in the paddock, and she'll come yeah. back. Her first start will be the Lightning, it looks like, at Flemington, and then she'll probably have a campaign directed towards Royal Ascot. And then I'd be love to see her, love to see her back at the Everest or head to the Everest there in Sydney in the spring. Whether they go down that path, they probably prove that they don't really have to go down that path this spring. But I, I disagree with you, Dino. I know that they stuck to their guns, but I still would have loved to have seen her in the Everest in Paratrees. Yeah, I think. I think we all would have loved to see her there, but I guess um, that what they've done is four from four, three group ones on the pedigree, uh, on the page, and she's had a terrific preparation. 100% I would have loved to see her in the Everest. I think everyone would have would have had layers to that race, and hopefully, like you said, next year we do see her in that because we need the best sprinters going to the best sprinting races. So, um, no, terrific by them, but like you said, I would have loved to see her there. It's going to be fun next autumn when you'll have or next summer slash autumn I wish I win. Giggy Kick will be back, hopefully. And then you've got Imperatrice flying. That lightning stakes is going to be some race down that straight over the 1,000 metres. Morning, Gareth. I took notice when Mark Walker tipped out you last week that Imperatrice is a once-in-a-generational horse with um, sectionals and balance, etc. Right, Mark? And he doesn't speak for the hell of speaking. Cheers from Cookie. I totally agree, Cookie. Mark Walker, what a judge he is. That New Zealand two-year-old bolted home. I think he got 2.30 yesterday, declared to us on Thursday's stable mail. And he also declared one for us on that Wednesday or Thursday, and it won pretty easily as well. I don't think I've ever had a trainer that's got nearly 100% strike rate when he tips the Mark Walker. And he tips them at $6, $5, $2, that two-year-old into $1.50. Um, 16 minutes past eight. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about this horse that... I don't know what you can say about Pride of Jenny. She's the queen of Flemington after two group ones in a week. Pride of Jenny starting to paddle at the 200 metres. She's a length and a half in front of Alligator Blood, but she's fighting Pride of Jenny. She's still clear from Alligator Blood and Mr Brightside. Pride of Jenny, this has been spectacular. And Pride of Jenny won again from Mr Brightside, Alligator Blood. And then oh, I just love for this horse, you know. Um... She's, you know, she's proven now that that wasn't a fluke last week. Um, but she's a, she's a champion, I believe, you know. And um, you know, a few people have said to me I stole it last week, but I, it's, it's a discredit to her to say that I stole it because I think I'm happy with how I executed the tactics. But it's tactics that you can't employ on many horses. You need to have a, a horse that can, with a, a serious engine and also a will to win. And she's, um, yeah, I think we're just made for each other. <laughs> Yeah, love Declan Bates. He gave her an absolute peach on two occasions, the Empire Rose and also the Group 1 Champions Mile. He rode to the conditions perfectly. But as I go to you here, Mitchie Lewis, are we underrating her a little bit? I don't think we can now, but she sets up a track record there at Mooney Valley and she's defeated by Amelia's Jewel in the stock stakes at Group 2 level back in the latter part of September. She sets a hot pace in a Turak and was beaten just over three lengths behind Attrition and Antino. And then she leads all of the way, defending a tissue who goes out to win a champion stakes at her next start. And then she defeats Mr. Brightside, Alligator, Blood and Fangirl in the champion's mile, Mitchie. Um, what a spring yeah. she's had. I just, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think it's the effort, the backing up effort is huge as well because she went faster on the first week in the Empire Rose. So, like, it's a massive effort. And I, I thought the second run was the most impressive for me because she's been a little bit stronger late or a fair bit stronger late in that race. So, 
it's just been a huge effort. I'm not sure if we underrated her. Um, like, you thought she was going to be in the right spot, but they've just got her absolutely humming now that she could hold on for that little bit longer. But, yeah, it's unbelievable effort from her. Dino, what did you make of her? Now, everybody thought that because of the southerly winds there on the opening day that she stole it, basically, as Declan Bates pointed out. And then, once again, the conditions suited her a little bit as well, but he gave her one hell of a ride. And then they had horses like Alligator, Blood and Mr. Brightside who have chased solid paces before, but they just couldn't go with her. Now, I don't know if Timmy Clark could have sat a little bit closer with Alligator Blood, but um, I think they just, they underestimated her. They all thought that she would come back. Yeah, I think the jockeys were probably similar to us punters at home. We were probably hoping that she'd just fall in a heap and the horses that we've backed and the, the jockeys in behind would just run over the top. But I think there's a little bit more to the ride than just running out in front. I think the way you did it, it, it you could have just pressed the button straight away and found the front and sort of then put the brakes on. But he just gradually built throughout the race, which I think suited her pattern and her, the way she runs. It's not as simple as just going out by a thousand lengths and then just holding on. And then like Mitchie said, she was stronger late. Um, on that day, road to conditions, uh, rock hard track underneath, um, horses up on speed with suited as well as the wind. So terrific. And probably the, the 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 thing about the wind that we probably don't talk about is she probably had a little bit more upside than the horses such as Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood, who had really, really deep preparation. Probably the last thing they wanted this deep into the prep was a strong run race as that, uh, which I think we saw late. In saying that, I know Mr. Brightside was terrific chasing, he had a flat spot and ran on, but Yep, terrific run. Um, we can see this a little bit too, Gareth, sometimes with mares. They hit that really purple patch when they hit a six-year-old. So interesting to see if we do see her come back in, in the autumn. But she's a horse in incredibly form and uh, full credit to Declan Bates. Well, just with that. Just I'm... quickly, Gareth, sorry. I was going to say, I don't know for some of the listeners out there that might not understand the um, sectionals and stuff we use. It might be a little good one to explain. So on day one of the carnival her last three splits were really slow so she's gone really hard and then slowed right up and her last 600 was four lengths slower than the average but the impressive part about the champion's mile was she didn't do that and she was actually three lengths faster so that's like a seven length turnaround from race to race and that's what makes it so impressive yeah so she's opened up her lungs and she's gone flat out in a empire rose um and there was a strong headwind there that I know there were similar conditions, but it was a stronger headwind there on Derby day. And then on Saturday, he's done the complete opposite. He's sort of like, so instead of going to fifth gear straight away there, like he did on Derby day, he's gone like a two to three to four to five. And he's made it difficult for the rest. And he's probably bluffed the rest as well, in a way, after what he did there on the opening day. Um, Cause they, uh, the jockeys didn't go near him. Like they were three or four lengths off him when they weren't going that quick. So, he might have bluffed them, Declan Bates, with pride of Jenny. Mr. Brightside, and I don't, like, you say that Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood and Fangirl, they've had big preparations. Pride of Jenny's had a big preparation. Track record at Mooney Valley. She she set a sizzling pace there at Caulfield, and then she was on the quick backup once again. So hats off to her. What a what a tough man Pride of Jenny is. Um, out of Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood and Fangirl, who's had the better spring? Start with you, Dino. Ooh, that's a good question. I'd say 100% Mr. Brightside. He's been phenomenal. Um, miss, hasn't missed the top two placing in, what, seven starts. So yeah. Brightside for me. Mitchie? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think we'd, you can easily forget how good he was going in those first few races yes. that he won. So overall, Mr. Brightside, yeah. 
And the inevitable, there's a good race in him. I would love to see mm. him head to Perth for that weight for age gold rush, 1,400 metres worth 1.5 million. I think that would be right up his wheelhouse, um, the inevitable. So he was only beaten just over three lengths. I thought he was pretty good on that that fresh backup. 828, um, 0499 736 736 to send in your text messages. Best text message today wins a $50 voucher to the Osborne Rooftop and Bar in South Yarra. You can join us throughout the spring slash summer at the Osborne Rooftop and Bar South Yarra for that ultimate experience. So we'll take the news, then we'll come back and we'll have a look at the champion stakes there at Flemington on Saturday when it was another merit tissue that stole the show there for James McDonald and Chris Waller this time. A tissue down the outside and Jewess is trying to get a run. Zaki in front, kicked a length in front. A tissue coming at Zaki though. A tissue moves up to Zaki, Buckaroo, and then came Jewess who's trying to come on. But a tissue sprints away. 100 metres to go. Two lengths in front of Zaki and then Jewess. But it's a tissue. J Mac again. A tissue wins. Second Jewess. Third young Verta. Photo yeah, any race during this week is, but that is something special. Yeah, it's not a race we've been overly strong in and. And um, coming today, I didn't know really what to expect. I think she should have won a Group 1 the first first day. We all think that as owners and trainers when we don't win. But to see Pride of Jenny come out and blow them away in the race before, I guess gave us a little bit of confidence. Um, she backed up similarly last year. Uh, she won the Matriarch, but she's gone to that whole new step today. So that was Chris Waller talking about a tissue. I remember having a chat to J-Mac on that Sunday after a tissue got beaten in the Empire Rose. And he goes, mate. I don't, I don't think I've ever ridden a horse that's gone bigger that hasn't won a group one. And, um, and so Dozy was probably in a similar boat there on Derby Day, mainly because I was on both of them probably. Um, and then they go out and bolt home in, a, in an Oaks and a, and, a champions, and a champion stakes. Dana, I thought that like as I watched that race or getting just before that race, like you wanted to be with the tissue, but you, were you worried about the pattern? Yeah, 100%. I think we spoke about it on the, the weekend preview, just the way the race was going to be run as well, not even understanding the pattern on the day. I think prior to that, you just looked at it. She was going to get a long way back and there were some probably superior horses on paper and going to land in front of her. So I thought she was up against And they had the option of obviously um, the easier race in race number five, the Matriarch. So I was sort of scratching my head what they were doing. But yeah, she's just turned up and absolutely towed them up. I think that's two Group 1s uh, over 2,000 metres now, and her record over 2,000 metres, which we'll touch on in a second, is phenomenal. But, yep, I was in the same court as you, Gareth. I think we learned something a little bit as well, is that when Waller backs up these horses, you need to follow them. And the quick backup seemed to do the trick during this Flemington Carnival especially. But we should have learnt last year, Mitchie, that this this galloper loves the quick backup. She was unlucky in an Empire Rose and then bolted home to win a main track. I know it's a different class there on Saturday in a champion stakes, but um, she was awesome once again. No, but you're definitely right about following him on the, on the backup because it's probably the same for the Ma Eustaces as well. They, they sort of know exactly what they're doing. And so we always, I think there's always a little bit of a negativity about a quick backup, but these trainers have all the data there. They're the ones that see the horses. It's probably something that we might sort of, you know, overplay a little bit in our heads, if that makes sense. It was interesting, however. Pride of Jenny was a really late nomination for the Champions Mile, going back to her. I think there was only four horses nominated for that Champions Mile about two minutes before the nominations closed. And then Alligator Blood jumped over from the Champion Stakes. And I think um, the mayor, Pride of Jenny, was a late nomination. They thought, well, we've just got to have a crack if there's no horses in there. So, 
Anyway, well, um, I might chase that up with David Eustace and also Kira Ma. And we might mention that in the means test. Let's talk about the beat. Yes, Dino. Yeah, I was just going to make a point uh, on the quick backup. Uh, we saw three horses coming out of Empire Rose, yeah. a tissue, Pride of Jenny and Denying Ollage all won um, off the quick backup off that. So um, interesting. Yeah, the Jeeves to Hale win as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's maybe a lesson to put in the back pocket for next year for the Flemington Carnival. But yeah, that Empire Rose really stood up on um, Champions Day. What a carnival Joaz has had. Um, second in a mm. Cox Plate or fourth in a Cox Plate, second now in a Champion Stakes. And young Verta, I was watching him. He does this from time to time, young Verta. He's absolutely dead set flying at the moment, this horse. And he was a little unlucky. He wasn't going to beat the winner, but he was probably a little, little unlucky not to finish second, young Verta. Um, and I'll tell you, there's a horse. I don't know if you've, like, this horse should have nearly won. It wasn't one of B. Shin's greatest rights. I won Buckaroo. It was enormous, Mitchie Lewis. Terrific. He, he looked like he was absolutely trucking it about that 400-meter yep. mark. Um, yeah, I thought. Is he any news on where he goes, Gaff? Because I thought he was the, the horse to follow out of the meeting. I thought he just maybe fitness gave out late. Um, as soon as Westwind Blows put the, the afterburners on, he just where he was and what he had to do. I thought he was probably close to run of the race outside of a tissue. So, what do we know where he goes to the paddock? I think any he goes news? to the paddock, but I'll, I'll, I'll double I'll double check that with um Johnny O'Neill. Like, he's a perfect northerly horse, 1800 meters late nomination. I don't know mm. if they've nominated him or not. Um, I've got one for you for the Northerly, $51. Like I haven't got on yet, so I don't know if I should mention it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five minutes. Add break quick. Oh, I hate doing this. I don't know why I open my bloody mouth. I'm in a difficult situation. Now, this is my family who I'm talking to and giddy up. I'll have to tell you. I'll have to tell you. I'll have to, um, we'll have to get on now. But get on now, I would imagine. Forgot you in the Northerly, 1,800 metres. None of them are going. It's going. Just having a look with Beck 365. Um, Foxy Frieda was on the quick backup as well. We can't forget. So just having a look now. Um, I've definitely gone off the beaten track, haven't I? So Super Smith, forgot you will smash it. Cascadie's not going to go. Tuvalu, he'll beat it at weight for age. Well, he's a good chance anyway. Then they've got these horses that are like a tissue's not going there. Pride of Jenny won't go there. What price? Forgot you, $34. It's a good bet with bet 365. It'll start close to favourites. So there you go. Um, so that's a tissue. We've heard from Chris Waller. I thought Deny Knowledge was, I would know, I'm missing the lead here. Jamie Spencer, unbelievable West Wind Blows. Can you explain his ride for us there, Mitchie Lewis? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think... I was listening to Sam Highland yesterday and he made some really good points that obviously the critical part is when he misses the kick. And then he sort of said, these English horses are trained different to us when they like to go forwards and they like to bowl forwards. So if you stay back, you're going to cost yourself the race anyway. So you probably have to have a go at it. But I think he's just tried, you know, it's obviously what's happened. He's gone hard in the first 600 and he's left himself nothing late. So missing the kick is probably the, factor that's cost at the race uh, and then that whole little mid-race move I don't know if about halfway when I'm on the bend three wide that I'm sort of thinking maybe I'd need to find cover from here but yeah there's a tough watch particularly for those that were on him I was definitely on him as well yeah I, I think once you miss the kick like that you you do you settle where you're going to settle and then if the pace if they're walking then make your mid-race move and then get into that contest mm. he just pushed the button from the start um 
So anyway, that's the probably the worst thing about it probably was the Zaki backers. I think he's blown up his own chances and probably um, hurt the chances of the horses out in front as yeah. well by sort of pushing on, it sort of fired up a couple of them and set like a, a tempo that none of them could really keep up and probably set the race up for a tissue. So I think that's what hurt the race um, more so as well if you're on Zaki and those up in front. But Jamie Spencer had to try something because he would have looked at the pattern all day. So he's missed the kick and then he's thought, well, I've got to get going early doors to, to get on pace. But I think once you miss the was, kick, sorry, yeah. Gareth. I was going to say it's the timing of it though, because yeah. he's he's gotten to the bend and he's still three wide, and we know how swooping that bend is. Yeah. Like I think he hesitated a little bit at the start, thinking should I go now or shouldn't I, and that's what's left him out wide in the bend. So I went and watched the replay, and I was just watching that little tracker where the horses are, and yeah, he's come really wide through that first yeah. big bend. I tell you, I'd love to know where Weddle's going as well. I thought he was really good under the circumstances. He, he might have run out of races as well, Weddle. Um, mm. But he was only beaten less than, what, three lengths there, 2.85 lengths there. So um, some good performances coming out of the champion stakes. Other big runs there at Flemington. We'll take a break and then we'll come back. And I want to have a chat about um, Ray Magnario that was superb down the straight in that last race. I was impressed by Deny Knowledge and the Matriarch. Mermit Massa keeps on winning this preparation. I think Schwartz is the real deal. Um, and then what a deal was too strong on the quick backup. And even General Bow was pretty impressive. So we'll have a chat about some of those black bookers there um, in just a moment. You're with Gareth Hall for Giddy Up. Schwartz kicked 250 metres to go. Three lengths in front of Pandalone. Mo down and El Sonzo. Back behind them, New Genius. Schwartz in front with 100 metres to go. Still two and a half lengths to Mo down and El Sonzo. But Schwartz is a very, very nice horse. And Schwartz won it from Mo down El Sonzo. Then New Genius. So Schwartz winning that third event. John O'Shea says Schwartz is the best horse in his stable when we had a chat to him for Giddy Up Stable Mail on Thursday. J-Mac's got a big opinion of him. He's still learning sports. How good can he be there, Dino? Yeah, he can be very good. Uh, I think uh, sort of we haven't seen his ceiling at all. He's done it in three starts, his preparation. Lovely on-speed pattern. He um, did the work early, six lengths faster than average to the six, and he just clung on late. So excited to see where he gets to in the autumn. But um, when John O'Shea speaks, you listen. And when James McDonald speaks, you listen. So no, exciting horse moving forward. Mitchie? Oh, I can't add too much to that. I agree, yeah. He's obviously improved off those first two runs. Jumping rather than missing the kick definitely helps. Uh, he's definitely going to have some good races in him somewhere. So I'm interested to see what they do with him now because what's that? he's had three career runs. So I suppose if you put him out now and bring him back for the Sydney Autumn. I reckon that might be the plan. And yeah. he's with Rosemont Stud and that, of course, that Stallion Syndicate. They haven't had the best of luck, that Stallion Syndicate, so mm-hmm. they'll be hoping they can land one. And um, Swartz might be that colt that can do just that, that son of Sue star there. Outside of Swartz, was there any other big runs there that we need to keep an eye on um, from that Flemington meeting? I think Mo down if any second behind him is a good horse for Charlotte Littlefield. Um, ladies man was good behind Merma Massa. He, keeps on winning. Is there any other black bookers that we need to follow from this meeting? We'll start with you here, Dino. Yeah, race five, the Matriarch. I thought the third horse, Chris Lee's train, Amakura yes. was terrific. That was its second up run. Made up a stack of ground late there behind Denyology, uh, Denier Knowledge and Osmos. Probably had a lot more upside. Maybe they head back to the Hunter meeting. I'm not too sure what they do with her, but I think she's the one and Buckaroo, the two to follow out of the meeting. Mitchie? Yeah, I liked Buckaroo as well to follow, but 
you know, Ray Medinero or however you pronounce it, that was a good run. I think that's nearly a little bit of a coming of age for him. He, he was really impressive to the eye when you watched him. So he's probably still got a little bit of improvement to come because I think that's still his first, he's deep into a first prep. So there could potentially be some races down the straight for him as he gets a little bit older. I, I just thought he was really impressive to the eye. Yeah, I thought he was impressive as well because he got really, he got keen in the middle of stages under Jai McNeil. You don't usually see them travel like that and then kick on. So um, I think Matty DeCock and Robbie DeGriff, Robbie Griffiths have got their stable flying and their horses perform well during that spring carnival and especially during the Flemington carnival. And they were adamant that that horse Ray was their best for the, the week and he delivered. Um, so not a uh, great week there for Many stables. Trent Bussett and Nella Young are in fine form at the moment as well. Um, Griffiths and DeCock. So it was good to see that the successes were shared around a little bit. Not yeah, just with the, the trainers, but the jocks. But James McDonald was the – like he probably had a – if you go and talk to Jay Mack, he, he would be happy with the carnival that he had there at Flemington. He had eight seconds, but he, he, he wins the big ones, doesn't he? Even though that he's on the favourites, he gets them done. Um, so three group runs for Jay Mack across that week. And Jamie Carr, take a bow. I thought she was sensational, especially I think she got her confidence up on Saturday. And the difference for mine with Jamie is that I think Deny Knowledge was the perfect example. Hands and Hills showing her the whip that they're just running for her again. She seems to me watching her, and I'm no jockey, but it looks like she's got her balance back, Dino. Yeah, well, that's her strength. I think we could see that in uh, race number five. Yeah, Tim Clark, his strength is probably his aggression, his strength. And you had Carr on the inside where her strength is her balance. Um, it was two completely different sort of setups there. And Jamie coming out on top. But yeah, after the pressure and the format, she was probably, or she was out of form mm-hmm. um, badly. And then she's just kicked on in the carnival. And probably the way that she tracks play definitely helped her with these on-pace horses. That's how she rides best. So not full credit to her. And like you mentioned, Gareth, it was a really even carnival. Stables shared the, the spoils, so did jockeys. And in my opinion, it's probably my favourite and the best um, Flemington Carnival that I've seen um, yet. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of it, we'll have a look at some of the feature races at Rose Hill. We might touch on some of those races in Perth as well. And I've done a little bit of digging. We might be able to help you with some future markets. 0499-736-736 to join our conversation here on Giddy Up's Monday Breakdown. You can win a $50 voucher to the Osborne Rooftop and Bar South Yarra, even if you're outside of Melbourne. Um... When you head to Melbourne, you've got to go to the Osborne Rooftop. It is one hell of an establishment. So you can join us at the Osborne Rooftop and Bar in South Yarra this spring slash summer. Hey, boys. Here we go. This sledging started from our listeners. Hey, boys. I remember one Gareth Hall was jumping off the J-Back wagon for the likes of Lane and Frosty. Now, all of a sudden, he is in the ice bath with J-Mac. Never in doubt, boys. He's the king J-Mac. All ton and cheek. Yeah, that's a good point you make, Jess. But you've got to call it how it is. Um, morning, G-Man. A left centre person of the spring so far, the purpled haired lady that Pardone winks and now owns Pardone's fangirl, Mimosa and Riff Rocket. Um, she's won it all from Glenn. Yeah, Debbie Capitas. She's been on fire. She's had a wonderful carnival. She's so even starting to breed horses. We missed the price, forgot you, Gareth. 51 into 15. I still think it's $34 with bet 365. Um, what did you make of Sydney on Saturday? First of all, the track. If you weren't on the fence, you were you were no hope, Dino. Yeah, it's typically how Rosewell does play when the rail is out on a really, really firm um, sort of deck. So, um, yeah, hard to make ground and the rail 
probably one that we can note in the back pocket. As soon as a rail goes out there, Rose Hill, and it's a good four or less, um, it's really, really advantageous to settle uh, up on speed and on that rail. So that just it's disappointing in a way because I, I know that they've got to move the rail because they've had a busy time of it. But when you've got so much prize money out for grabs and the rail's like that, I think sometimes it's just like some horses just had no opportunity to win there on Saturday. No, and you've got to understand too that the 1,100 and 1,200 meter races, they do come from a shoot start. So it's a different start to everywhere else and it's it's really hard to make ground in them. So I think that just um, probably makes it even more so on pace and rails advantage, which we do harp on a lot. But yeah, it's tricky with these dry tracks. It's sort of double-edged sword for the, the track creators. They can put enough water on it earlier than everyone sort of complains mm-hmm. that it's a soft track for the first couple of races. Um, but when it's fast, dry rails out, it's incredibly hard to make ground. And that's that's what it is. Just got to sort of adjust on the runner and go. But like you said, Gareth, it is a little bit tricky for punters. Shangri-La Express was impressive, but I think no wonder Regan Bayless wanted to get to the fence, Mitchie Lewis, because it's a place that you needed to be. But he basically was flat out from the get-go in the, in the golden gift. Yeah, for a second career run, two-year-old. He looks the most impressive two-year-old we've seen so far, I think. Um, I thought Rude Royal, who chased him, closed pretty sharply as well. He's an interesting one to follow that the McAvoy sent up there. So uh, inter- he probably got a race in him somewhere as well. Yeah, I thought Scampy was good under the circumstances as well, Dino. This is the horse that's had some big wraps on him since the first trial there in Sydney. And Climatic was also pretty good for Matty Dunn. So... I think there was some nice efforts out of that race. Yeah, for sure. I think Voltile is probably another one. And I think you can't judge Cheerios off their first preparation, but it's so crucial that they get these runs under the under their belt. And then they're obviously going to have a spell and come back um, more seasoned sort of towards those big targets. So whatever they're doing now, and probably mm-hmm. Scampy's the perfect example. He's yet to put it all together, but the ability he's shown, I'd just love to see him next preparation with a spell under his belt. He looks a really nice horse. So that's something to probably take into account leading to the, the Magic Millions and the, the Golden Slipper. Yeah, so the slipper's not far away. Well, it is far away, but we're already talking about a slipper winner. Yeah. Um, so there's still a little bit to go before we get um, super excited about, about a Golden Slipper. But that's the beauty about these two-year-olds. You can see one jump out and troll nicely, and then we just want to get on. For a golden slipper. Exactly. The Magic Millions will be um, just around the corner in the early part of January. I want to have a chat about the five diamonds, but we might do that after the nine o'clock news. Um, anything else from Perth, Gareth, that you might know that's going? I think Forgot You is the only horse that I can... Um, Triple Missile going, Gareth? ...be confident that's, um, that it will be going over there. Triple Missile is definitely going for the winner bottom, but... Just texting James Cummings. No Godolphin horses. So you got Cascadian into $6. He's unlikely to go. So he's in that northerly. So forgot you was $34. So that's like, we know that he's definitely going. Um, and then David Eustace and Kiramar. Dave's just said to me just then unlikely that they will send any horses. So for me, I think Perth's got a little bit of work to do to get these big stables across because you need to have the better horses compete. Not the better horses, but definitely the bigger stables. Triple Missile's going... That's interesting. Yeah, in the, the winner bottom. Too. Yeah, 100%. Jamie Carr booked a ride Triple Missile in the winner bottom. Nine o'clock news mm. time. Welcome back to Giddy Up. Great to be with you on this Monday morning after we're a little bit tired and weary, but it's been a wonderful spring carnival so far. Still got another week to go, really, in Melbourne anyway, with the Rupert Clark and the Thousand Guineas. 
as uh, it's a new day there at Caulfield, revamped Spring Carnival in Melbourne. And we've got the Hunter in Newcastle this week, the Gong after that on November 25, and the Perth Carnival not far away as well. Best text message this morning, you can win a $50 voucher to the Osborne Rooftop in South Yarra and join us at the Osborne Rooftop and Bar South Yarra for the ultimate spring slash summer um, experience. So it's a, a great bar, the Osborne. So the best text message today, chosen by Jacko. Jackson France, our producer, will win $50. Um, four minutes past nine. This was the highlight and the feature event there at Rose Hill on Saturday. It was the five diamonds for the five-year-olds, of course. Zoom on, still the leader. Unspoken's coming after him. 150 out and Democracy Manifest down the outside. It's still Zoom on. Unspoken digs in. Wears it down. Unspoken the outside going to them. Unspoken has got up and won from Zoom on. Democracy Manifest. So Unspoken defeats Zoom on. Detonated Jack was good back in third and Democracy Manifest was fourth. Um, Dino, geez, they walked in a five diamonds. It was farcical, really. And then they just sprinted home from the 600. Yeah, it was polar opposites to a lot of the races at Flemington. But, yeah, they summed it up perfectly. They've gone around oh, seven lengths far, slower than average in the 600-meter mark. And to probably um, describe a little bit better, the top eight fastest last 200s of the entire meeting all come out of the five diamonds race, which just shows that it's a dead set sit and sprint. So... Unspoken tactical speed again comes to the fore and that horse is in terrific form. But yeah, there's, there's plenty to forgive out of the run. And Tino put out three out of five lane coughing, um, had plenty of issues. So he's off to the paddock, but it was just sort of horse in the right spot, mm. wins the race, set up there, Gary. Do you know what's going on there, uh, Missy Lewis in Sydney? It's getting ridiculous. Now, you know how, say, like in your home state of South Australia, if they ever raced for $2 million and they had a field like that, they would go lickety split because it would mean something to them. It's just another $2 million race for these jockeys in Sydney. It doesn't mean anything, really. Like they like they treat it like a midweek on a Wednesday at Warwick Farm with that farcical speed. It was unbelievable to watch. It was funny how the race was going to be set up, though, kind of. I think me, I think Dino was with Unspoken, I was with Zoom on, and it was because we thought they were going to be the runners in the right spot on that track. So, like, as, as slow as they've sort of gone, it was sort of, we predicted it. So I'm not sure why anybody sort of went up and, thought to themselves, maybe I should put some pace in here and give myself a better chance, particularly with how the track was playing. But oh, I don't know what you do, Gareth. Do you, do you put more money on top of it to make it more in, enticing, do you? <laughs> well, I just, like, I couldn't believe how slow they went. And then the jockeys, come, the jockeys come back and go, oh, he went enormous. It was just a farcical speed. Well, um, now I know some of them have got their hands tied behind their back because they've drawn awkwardly or something. Or there's, there's, a, there's those situations, but... Um, they, they just walked. They handed the, the, the race to the leaders. I don't know what's wrong with making a mid-race move over 1,800 metres when they're walking, Dino, because you've got no hope if yeah. you're at the back. Spot on. Yeah, exactly. I think that probably the, the factor as well is the 1,800 metre start, it's a little bit tricky. It's about 150 metres to the first turn, so horses want to find a spot so they're not working wide. And then you've got, of course, the entire back straight, but once you've found a spot, a lot of horses don't want to to pull out. So I think that's probably played a factor into it. Horses want to find a spot, get cover, get their position prior to that first turn so they don't overwork. But yep, they've let them get away with murder out in front and the jockey's up in front. That's that's their job. They want to have the, the best set up for their horse and that's probably the way they ran it. But I agree. It, it annoys me a little bit to see races run that slow because more often than not, you don't see the best horse win. And we know when we see a fast run race, um, you do see the best horses win. All right, then what about horses to follow from that meeting? Dana, you had a pretty good day on the tip there once again at Rose Hill. 
Yeah, it wasn't too much to follow out of the meeting for me. Uh, I probably struggled to find anything. Um, I think Roots was the winner of the day by far. Blinkers went on. She absolutely blew the the hands off the clock there. I thought we saw a superior horse there. So I think the horses in behind her, called Dine Royal Merchant, do not drop off the speed that they went. I think they were very creditable. So I think called Dine Royal Merchant and Roots, I think we could follow all three out of the hot Danish. Yeah, Roots was sensation with the blinkers on, Mitchie Lewis. Yeah, I, I was very... Happy with Roots, but I thought as well, Cold Eye was one to follow. I thought her run was very good, but I liked, um, I think Detonator Jack's got yes. a run in him somewhere. If he gets the right race, I think he's got to win there. Like he's, he's going reasonable and he, um, he, this is the first time we've seen him at a trip that's going to suit him. So he might be one to follow next start at a, that sort of 1,800, 2,000 metres because earlier in the prep when he was over the 1,200 and 1,400 metres, he wasn't as suited. So I think you start to see him peaking now. Do you know who's going to the Hunter? That's a feature event in New South Wales. Marzu's the 450 favourite. Cold Crusher at six overpass. Is he going there at $6? I think he's definitely nominated to go to Perth for the winner bottom. Um, King of Sp- I know King of Sparta goes there. Yeah, he's at $8. Opal Ridge, 11. Rustic Steel given a chance as well. Um, so, yeah, that's the story. Um, It'll be a good race. It's yeah, a good the meeting hunter. there, the Hunter Day. Who won I that? Like that yeah, Valana won that race last year, didn't he, before he was unlucky in Perth. Um, he Tom, did, and lost the running the year before. Yeah. What? Give us your three highlights from the spring, Dino. Oh, that's uh, that's very hard. I would go with... Oh, yeah. um, well, I'll start here because we're going to do this on the yeah. Wednesday debate, but you're 3-2-1, like your top horses, because I was thinking about this... Yesterday, it's Imperatrice has to be there. I think without a fight, definitely has to be there. And then it's a good um, debate for the third horse of the spring. Maybe Mr. Brightside wins that battle over an alligator blood and the like. Um, but definitely Imperatrice. And then think about it, who wins a who wins a Everest and then finishes third in a, in a giga kick. So it's an interesting debate to have. I think from a, a three, two, one point of view, I think you've got to give it – I think without a fight needs to three votes. If you win the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup double, you're the star of the spring for mine. Um, Imperatrice second, and I think the third horse has to be Mr. Brightside. Second in a Cox Plate, second in a King Charles, and he had some Group 1 victories before that from a consistency point of view. Yeah, I would definitely agree. They're the three for me, and they probably cover the sprinting, the middle distance, and the staying rank. So, yeah, I could not argue that. Probably stiff enough is think about it. Um, but he probably didn't race enough to, to be put in there. So I couldn't argue with that, but there was plenty of good stories and good horses, good drives, good training setups. But I agree with you, Gareth. Those three for me too. Dino, uh, Mitchie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, the first two, I definitely agree. You can't you can't miss the top two votes if you win the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. And then if you're winning, was it four group ones? So, look, a horse, even for me, like prior to Jenny, what she did on the backup, so she's done that twice in a row yeah. now. If you're talking, that's two group ones. It's right up there with the best. She knocked off the best. Yeah, she might not have had as good a start to the spring, but her finish is better than anyone, I'd say. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like pride yeah, of Jenny to win two group ones and defeat those superstars in the champions in the champions mile. Um, she's definitely in the conversation, and I, I like Champions Day. You would have probably would have liked to see some few more sprinters there for the champion sprint. Like a like the Everest winner, but apart from that, I thought that you nearly had the best horses competing in those races. The Champion Stakes is a little more difficult because you've got horses that 
could race in the Champions Mile and the Champion Stakes. Maybe we just need to have a Champion Stakes over 1,800 metres. That would be interesting. Um, G'day, Gareth. This is from Dave. Love the entire Spring Carnival from Caulfield Valley and Flemington. Fabulous racing with brilliant horses competing. Without a fight in Peritrees, Mr. Brightside and Pride of Jenny on the podium as stars. And Jamie Carr bounced back to ride six winners over the Flemington Carnival, all at a reasonable price as well. That's from Dave. And Dave, you've won the, the $50 voucher at the Osborne rooftop for that message. Yeah, I think Jamie Carr definitely during that Flemington Carnival was one of the highlights of the spring to, like any athlete, to do what she's, like to go through what she's gone through this spring under extreme pressure, um, having, having to come back from a terrible injury, especially when it involves your head. And we saw Michael Rod come back with a, a concussion, finally um, ride a winner. And he's been through mm. hell and back, Michael Rod. So what Jamie Carr was able to do during the spring, um, out of form and then bounce back to form, um, competing against the best, um, hats off to Jamie. So well done. Good on you, boys. Love your work and um, looking forward to next week already. In fact, we'll do the weekend preview on Thursday, but um, it doesn't really stop. We've got Caulfield to look forward to and then Newcastle and some nice races there in Perth as well on Saturday. Hey, Mitchie, a few questions coming through before we let you go. Is there any horses from Adelaide that we need to follow? I think the horse we're really keen on pressed down. I think it's got a win in it. It came second. Uh, Follow Cumin. So I think Cumin, he was the winner in race one. He'll go to the, um, what do they call them, series finals in two weeks. Those series finals races will be really, really sharp. I reckon he'll win his sprint series. Yeah. And then outside of that, I'll have some more later during the week if people are keen to know. All right, then. Um, press down. I can't believe he got beat. That was tough to watch. Yeah. Um, I miss you said who was coming to Perth for the winner bottom and gold rush. Did you say triple missile? Yep, definitely Smith. And forgot you as a horse that you should be backing for the northerly as we speak. Um, good morning, fellas. I'd like to highlight what a fantastic spring that Murma Massa had. Yes. All Ooh, three definitely. That's stable too. They had yeah. a terrific spring. Without being asked for a supreme effort. He's a star that's from Tony. They had a they had a terrific spring, Busted and Young. Hats off to them as well. All right, boys. Thanks for your company as always. And we'll catch up with you on Thursday. Look forward to it, Gareth. Thank you, Mitchie. Thank you, boys. And enjoy your Monday.